God had to get through to me to send his message. How many of you know his message was squared away all along? He just had to get me into it. And I appreciate it because he actually used this message, used it in my own life over the weekend. It's amazing how God uses the word as he puts it down in your heart to prepare you. So we're going to talk about, I hear the sound of rain. And if you're familiar with your Bible very well, you know we're probably going to be talking about Elijah. So James chapter 5, he used, he used Elijah as an example for something. It talks about prayer. It talks about an effectual, fervent prayer and what it is able to accomplish. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Listen to this. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah, very next verse, was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. And the earth produced its fruit. I want to read two different versions of verse 16. In the message version, it says, the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. I like that. I like that. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. The Amplified Version says it this way, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available dynamic in its working that sounds awesome to me and you know what's greater even about it that's a promise from the word of god that's a promise from the word of god let's pray father i sense your presence feel your love i can sense the holy spirit you are here right now to do a great work in and among us. We stand in awe with many in this room that the creator of the whole world, the universe, and all that is, is right here in our midst. We don't take this for granted. I pray that you'll use me now to give your word to our people. I pray, Lord, that you will touch and minister to those who are not only in this building, but those who are watching online. The power and the presence of Almighty God will meet the needs of your people. We come to this hour expecting in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone agreed and said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. As I mentioned, I was going to preach on vision for the new year. That'll wait. I'll still get that accomplished. So much that God is speaking about this next year. Our theme, of course, being called to care, finish the race. But we're not going to talk about that today because for some reason in my own life and in yours, God changed the message to, I hear the sound of rain. The sound of rain that was given to the earth during a time of drought, during a time of dryness, barrenness, deadness, when you feel like you don't know what next step to take, you have no answer in front of you, you feel like you're in a dark place in your life, and you find yourself in need of God to move in your situation. This is where they were, the Israelites were. They were in a time of drought, a season of barrenness and deadness. They were in a time when they didn't know what the next move was going to be, and they needed a miracle. They didn't realize, and it had not yet been revealed to them, that they were the very cause of the drought. Sometimes we don't understand that we need a checkup from the neck up. I like that. I heard it from an old preacher. I wish I'd have made it up, but I didn't. But we're taught that prayer, and prayer we'll see here in a moment, is the thing that changed everything. Prayer. We know about prayer in the church. We talk about prayer. We sing about prayer. We even practice it. 
We do it very religiously. A lot of times it's nothing more than just over our food or, you know, I know one guy who said, you know what, I pray over my paycheck every week so I don't have to pray anymore the rest of the week. And I was just like, I really don't think that was the aim God was shooting for. Prayer. We're taught as children to pray. We teach our kids now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. We teach them as children. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our, and I always have a problem with that. It says God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. But in my heart and mind, it needs to rhyme. So I'm always like, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Psycho, I know, but it goes on, says, by God's hand, we must be fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Amen. Thank you for the world so sweet. Thank you for the food we eat. Thank you for the birds that sing. Thank you, God, for everything. Here's my question for us today. What is it that makes prayer effective? What is it that causes you your prayers, my prayers, to be answered. What is it that makes the difference between someone who just traditionally and routinely and with duty and obligation pray and those who see miracles, signs, and wonders? What's the difference as we enter these 21 days of prayer and fasting? What do we need to know to move heaven and earth? What do we need to know to see results fruit in our lives to our prayer. Maybe you're here today and maybe you're, you're frustrated. Maybe you've prayed over things or you've sought God and sought his will and you've been praying and praying and praying and it seems like things are getting worse and worse and worse. How many of you know sometimes it'll get worse before it gets better? But I found that, that in those times when I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm believing and I'm hanging on, I'm holding on. You know, the, old, the old testimony of the lady on one side and on the other side of a young man in the altar. And, you know, one lady on one side is like, oh, brother, turn loose, turn loose. Let God, let him turn loose. And the other one on the other side is, oh, son, hold on, hold on, hold on. You know, what do you do when you've done everything you know to do and you've been praying and praying, but you're not feeling like it's changing. The situation is not changing. You shared with other people and all they give you for advice is, well, just keep praying, brother. And inside, you, you, maybe you've never been there. You get frustrated. You get discouraged. Some even testify that the faith is kind of waning a little bit. What is it that makes prayer effective? What is it that causes you and I to understand the strength that comes, the, the prayer that is answered by God? It's a hot topic. Let's talk about ineffective prayers and what to do about it today. I'm going to have a couple of points for you. only got through two in first service. Let's see how many I can get through today. That one amplified version of verse 16, it says, The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Dynamic in its working. So if it says this, why isn't it working for you? Why is it not working for us? It's supposed to work, right? I mean, we know when we pray, it's meant to work. When we pray, when we say prayers to God, the expectation is that it's supposed to work. That's truth, and that's truth that sets us free. Well, James is using Elijah as an example. He wants us to look at, at, at Elijah and his life, his, his example, an illustration he uses is from the Old Testament. Where we go to the scripture and we climb the mountain to Mount Carmel. And we see a spectacular event that took place there. James thought it well enough that when he put the scripture 16 in there about the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, the very next verse, 17, says, look at Elijah. Look at Elijah. He goes on and he says, Elijah was a human being. Because sometimes we have a tendency to put the people in the word. You know, these folks, we, we kind of make them superheroes. 
They're like the Marvel folks. They're, they're like superpowers. They, they can call on God and walk on water and part rivers. and They can call on manna to come from heaven. They're not like us. But here James is writing and he says, Elijah was a human being with a nature just like ours. That makes it interesting. Because that means that Amelia Little can pray a prayer just like Elijah and fire can fall. That means that you and I can get a hold of God and we can understand the mind of God, the heart of God. And we can see the great things that God has promised to those who will stay faithful and follow after him. But there's key words, there's key things in this scripture to let us know what is the difference between those who see answers to prayer and those who don't. This is good for young people. This is good for adults. This is good for preachers. How many preachers have gotten to the point where they spend more time in the altars or in the pulpits preaching uh, away the power of God. Oh, we don't practice that here. You can't do that, brother. That's not welcome here. We, we don't cause distractions and interruptions. We, we, all things are done decently. I've got people even in the church of God where I work as a regional elder. I'll sometimes hear testimonials about, well, you know, we, we take our people out. If they want special prayer, we take them out. We don't do this. We don't do that. You, you, you hear about these testimonies of people, in my opinion, who are just kind of trying to explain away the power. Why do they spend so much time trying to say, God, don't heal today? God's not in the business of miracles today. Why are people so defensive of that? Why don't they seek the God of the scriptures and want and desire to see a move of God? You know why they don't? Because they haven't learned how to pray an effective, fervent prayer. They haven't learned how to pray the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man that avails much. They haven't learned how that they can get a hold of God and pray things through. We do a lot of praying for these days. We do a lot of praying for. But how many of you know the lost art of praying through is about disappeared in the church? I know what it means. I've been raised up to know exactly what it means when someone says, brother, you've got to pray that through. How many of you know there have been situations in my life, in my family's life, that we had to pray it through? We couldn't just do a quick little, now I lay me down to sleep. No, somebody had to get a hold of the horns of the altar. Somebody had to call out the declaration and the promises of God over the situation to see it change and to see it move. It was Jesus who told his disciples that these things only come about through prayer and fasting. There are some levels and some things you'll see in the spiritual realm that you won't see if you just walk on your merry way just trying to live a little religious life. You've got to have more than that. You've got to have something on the inside. It says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So what was it? What were the situations with Elijah that made the difference? Well, let's look at the example he sets. Let's go to Mount Carmel for a minute. Let's look at Elijah standing up there, looking at the people, grieved in his heart as a prophet of God. And how many pastors and preachers do I know who stand grieved at the church, the weakness of the church, the showmanship of the church, the way the church has become... Uh, a ticketed event almost where we come together and we've lost what it is to be the church. How many of you know, I, I still profess and we preached a few weeks ago, the church will be leaving the building in a few minutes because we are the church everywhere that we go. You are the church at the grocery store, at the workhouse, at the family house, at the street on the with the neighbors. You are the church and the church, the church has settled down and got complacent and gotten quiet. And the children of Israel, here they were, their king Ahab and their queen Jezebel had set up camp in the kingdom there. And they had decided they wanted to be political and they have invited everybody in, all gods, everybody in. They're just all coexisting together. And they've got the prophets of Baal and there's over 800 of them and they're doing their thing. They've set up altars and temples and they're all having a great time and they, they don't care who's, whoever God you want to serve. Yeah, you want to serve Jehovah, that's fine too. Our great-grandpa, he, he was all about that. So that's fine. You can set up your altar even though that altar had gotten broken down. And Elijah looked at it with tenderness and care. And he put that altar back together. And as he did, they stood on that 
Mount Carmel. And Elijah said something that I want to say. I want to say this morning. There should be an effectiveness to our prayers. There should be a fruit behind our prayers. When we get a hold of God, we're talking about the God who spoke the world into existence. We're talking about the God who flung the stars out and made the planets in their rotations. We're talking about the God who put the sun just far enough from the earth where all of the people are that gives us a, a beautiful merry white Christmas in the wintertime here in Ohio and then gives us a good summer tan in July. We're talking about a God who's got it all under control. This same God, he declares to us, if you seek me, you shall find me. If you search for me with all of your hearts, this God who says, call upon me and I will answer thee and show thee mighty things that you know not of. This same God is challenging and looking at his church. He's challenging us today. Will you effect much for my kingdom? I, I, I get to the place now where when I pray for folks, I... If I don't see it happen instantly, I get a little disappointed. I want to see a change immediately. I'm living in expectation now. I'm living in the other night, and God taught me as I shared with you. There was a situation, I won't go into detail, with my family, a a crisis rose up out of nowhere. I'm talking a serious crisis, a, a crisis that more or less ruined our Christmas and kept us as a family shut up pretty much together over a few days. And I, I came in, and, and it was just getting worse and worse and worse, and, and it, it was about to explode. And, and I, I got in my house, I got alone, and I started reading Scripture. I started thinking about what God's Word declares, the promises of God. And I said, God, I am not just going to sit back and watch the devil have a heyday with my family. I, I started pacing the floor in my house, and I said, devil, as Jesus spoke to you, even to his even to his very close friend, but look past his eyeball straight to the spirit behind his lie. I command you, get thee behind my family. Get behind them in the name of Jesus Christ. I rebuke you and I plead the blood of Jesus over my family. Devil, let go. And I'm telling you what, all of a sudden, just like you started doing, I started clapping in my house. And I remember the message Brother Sergeant preached where he said, sometimes you're going to hiss the devil away with your clapping. And I started clapping, declaring the promises of God, and I stood my ground until I felt a peace hit my heart. And the moment it did, I said, it's prayed through. And I want you to know my whole family's here to prove it. Within hours, an impossible situation, one that was absolutely, there was no earthly possibility of a breakthrough in exactly five hours from that prayer of declaration and pleading the blood of Calvary and being determined to speak to those things that be not as though they are, there turned that situation completely around. God brought a breakthrough. Are you ready? Are you ready for a breakthrough? You ready to see God do something amazing? Awesome, I love it when you answer me. (laughs) Are we having fun? (laughs) All right, great. I love Elijah's prayer. Here the prophets of Baal have cut themselves and danced and paraded all around. They're so religious. They've wore themselves out. By the end of the day, they've, they've just done everything they can do. The world's doing everything it can do to solve our problems and to tell us that they're right and to throw away all of our morals and to throw away all of our faith, trying to do it their way, dance their dance. And there they were, and there was over 800 of them all day long. Nothing happened. Let me clue you in on something, and hear me good, young people. They will try to tell you that they have the answer. They'll try to tell you that your faith is ridiculous, that you're crazy, that you have lost your mind. They'll try to tell you that the faith you were raised in is a big bunch of fairy tales, but you listen to me closely. There is no truth to those lies. 
those lies come straight from hell. And they are trying their best to deceive you and to take away the good, honest faith that you've been raised in from a child. But if you'll look deep into your soul this morning, you'll once again, the word will come true in your life. If we raise you up in the faith, when you get old, you won't depart. I believe if you'll look down inside your heart this morning, you will see that there is faith in a God who is able to do anything and nothing is impossible with him. If you'll just hold on and keep the faith, don't let go. Here they were dancing, parading themselves around, trying to come. They were the new thing. Elijah was one man. But Elijah did something that I am challenging our church to today. He said, Lord, show these people that you are God. Show these people. And oh, I'm on, I'm, on a, I'm on a course myself. I'm on a rampage, so to speak. I want God to sift us. I want him to break us. I want him to show us what we need to know in order that all of the worldliness and all of the garbage and all the deception will fall off of us and we will stand once again, look into the heavens, calling on God, Lord, show these people that you are real. I pray over this church. I pray as pastor, it's my responsibility. And I pray, God, don't ever let us get to the place where we deny the power. Don't ever let us get to the place where we push Pentecost to the back row. Don't ever let us get to the place where we're complacent and compromising and weak in our faith. God, send the fire us now. Send the power. To, oh, hallelujah. Send the fire of the Holy Ghost. Let the power of God show that you are real. Show this community. Show the people that you are God and you are on the throne. And then he added something. He said, show them that you are God and that I am your servant. That's not a selfish prayer. Because how many of you know he said he wants us to rule and reign with him. He wants us to, we're part of what he's doing in the earth. Don't just sit back. Don't just sit back and think that you can't pray, that you don't need to pray. Somebody said this the other day. They said, well, you know, God's got his will. He wants us to seek his will, so he's going to do what he's going to do either way. Why do we need to pray? And I was just like, get behind me. <laughs> get behind me. Let's solve that mystery right now. He's called us to rule and to reign with him. He says when we get there, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Now I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He wants you and I, we rule with him. He, he gave us, he said, that, that he said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, who else is he going to use? He uses the Holy Spirit in us. We are his agents. As we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're moving and working. And God's using you. He's anointing you. You're part of the plan. So, yes, you must pray. So Elijah said, show them that you are God that I'm your servant. Let me see what else he said. Time came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord. And that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then, verse 38, the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Now you understand and know what that says to us. How many of you know he said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. God always over provides. He always goes overboard in giving you and I the blessing, the favor, and the truth. He always wants us to live in that. It says, now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And I'm sure they probably 
yelled that. But my voice is a little tired. I'm not going to yell. The Lord, he is God. The very prayer that Elijah prayed was answered. The very prayer that Elijah prayed was answered. James went looking for an illustration to what he felt was the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when he said the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a human just like me and he called down the fire of God. He prayed that it would not rain and it did not rain. Then he prayed that it would rain and it did rain. I'm telling you, how many of you have a desire in your heart that God can use you to turn on the rain and to turn off the rain? In other words, to speak the words of God and be his vessel. Meet for the master's use and prepared for every good work. Who's got that desire this morning? I've got that desire in my heart. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there's a sound of an abundance of rain. You know he hadn't seen anything. He had sent his servant out seven times. There had been no rain. He, all he knew was that God spoke to him in his heart and said, rain. God spoke to him and just said, rain. So he said to his servant, go look. Came back, nothing. Come on now, listen. You're going to find yourself weary and well-doing if you don't know that you know that you know who God is. Know him. Know him for yourself. Don't trust in mama's religion. Don't look to daddy's religion. Don't look to that relationship because that won't stand in the end. It's your relationship with God that will matter. You've got to have a relationship with him. Elijah had a relationship with God. He was an ordinary man, but he saw a mighty move of God. So the first point that I want to give you in having an effective, effectual, fervent prayer life is this, goes back to the word righteous. Elijah had a relationship with God. He'd spent time with him. He knew the Lord. He knew that he was good. I mean, think about it. Who do you trust? Do you trust someone you know or do you trust someone you don't know? I don't think anybody here is going to say, well, I trust all those people I don't know. <laughs> no, you trust the people that you know. That's what makes the difference. I, I've got history with them. I, I know them. I, I know how they're going to react. I know what they're going to say. I have five sisters. One's in Gatlinburg right now. Another one's in Tennessee. And the other one is sitting on a pew. And then I have two others that are just vagabonds. Who knows where they are? <laughs> I have my sister Debbie. I always know when I've got an issue, when I've got a prayer need, when I've been going through a trial, when I'm going through something... Debbie is going to send me tons of scriptures. Am I right, Angie? She will send in a text as scriptures go that long. And you have to read them for days. She doesn't give you her advice. She doesn't give you her opinion. She just gives you scripture after scripture after scripture. The woman knows the word. And she will quote it. And she will print it and text it to you. And that's what she does all day long. Now, Carolyn and Melissa, they are different. They're going to, they're immediately, let's pray. Let's pray. Woo! Let's pray. And they go to a camp meeting style prayer meeting right then. Carolyn will lay hands on you in Kroger's. She will prophesy over you. She will call out the devil. She will look at the can of corn right there and rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Carolyn will have a prayer meeting coming and going. Melissa's the same way. She will pray. She just wants to pray. Well, I think we need to pray. Well, we need to pray. Let's get together. Let's get everybody together. She, let's go to your house tonight. Let's get all the sisters here and let's pray. Let's just do nothing but pray. I know them. I know that's what they're going to do. Angie and Lori are, are built the same way, but they're worship leaders. So they're always the ones, the first ones who'll say, what? Angie will say, what? oh, let me send you this song. It's a beautiful song. This minister to me. Oh, get in the presence of God, Ray. Let the worship just, oh, just let it flood over your soul. God's going to touch the need. Lori is a worship leader. And she's like, oh, here's a song. We stood by my mother's bed when my mother was passing away. And Lori started singing a song. That was her way of bringing everyone together. And we were singing, you're my portion. You're my healer. And we were singing around my mother's bed. And Angie and her are harmonizing perfectly because that's their element. They're worshiping. That I know them. That's what they do. Angie will give you a psalm if she gives you scripture or a song. And she'll send it in, in a text, and you, ha you just know that's what she's going to do. I know them. 
I know and I trust exactly what they're going to do. If I'm terribly sick, having five sisters is amazing. It's awesome. If I'm sick, Angie and Melissa will call on me, check on me all day long. Angie is the proverbial text. Every, about every 15 minutes, are you better? How are you feeling now? Are you good? Are you okay? What's going on? You know, it's been 15 minutes. I haven't heard from you. Are you okay? They check on you. Missy and her both, they, they just, they're texters and they'll call, they'll check on me. They're the ones who are just doing the like check. Debbie's different. She's Florence Nightingale. She's already in the car with a box full of homemade chicken soup. She has got all these little breads and all this stuff. She's coming to the house with a wash rag, and she is going to wash my forehead, and she's going to watch over me. She's the Nightingale. That's what she does. Carolyn is the same always. She just calls you on the phone and gets in the Holy Ghost and starts praying for you, and she just calls out the devil. It's, she calls that spirit of infirmity out of you, and you're, you're good. Lori is different. She was the baby, you know, so we all spoiled rotten, spoiled her rotten, and I did especially because she, I was 12 years old when she was born, so I got to kind of really spoil her. So Lori is totally different than all the sisters altogether, but I know her well. She will send me a picture of her dog or her daughter saying, I just thought this might cheer you up. <laughs> I know them. I have a relationship with them. I trust them. I know how they're going to respond. I know exactly what they will do. I am so sorry this morning to have to tell you this, but there is no shortcut to a relationship with God. There is no shortcut. You can't get there on mommy's faith. You can't get there on grandma's faith. You can't do it any other way. It takes spending time with them. I was raised with them girls my whole life. I know them. I know everything about them. I know how they think. I know what they're, when you spend time with the Lord, when you make the, the, the effort and you are intentional about spending time in prayer, spending time in his word, reading the letters he's written to you and given to you so that you would know him and he'd be revealed to you. When you have that knowledge of him, I'm telling you, you can get to the place where you know exactly how the Lord is going to respond. You know his will. You know his purpose. When you know his word and when you know him in relationship, it was Paul who said, oh, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable to his death, that I would even have that opportunity. It was Paul who said those words, and he loved the idea of knowing as much as he could. I, as much as I want what other people have. I've seen some great relationships. I made mention a few weeks ago about Brother Davis who lost his wife. And, and as we were at the funeral home and getting ready to leave and everybody had passed by the casket and said their farewells, I, I stood back and I waited for Brother Davis. I was concerned about him. And, and as he was standing there by his precious, beautiful wife, Buddha Lee, he stood there and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he reached down and kissed her. And as he stood back up, both hands went up in the air and he said glory hallelujah praise the Lord that confidence that assurance he had relationship with God this didn't cause him to get rattled this didn't cause him to have a faith issue or a problem he was still as confident and as assured as he ever was that his God was still God on the throne as he stands right now in the church to prove that that's true God is a God that if you can know him, you can experience him, and you can know how he's going to behave and react during your situations. If you have a relationship with him, you spend time with him. Too many people are guilty of a very shallow relationship with God. Very shallow relationship. I, I've been to the same dentist for 25 years. I go to him only when I need him. Other than the proverbial cleaning, if I'm having a toothache or a problem, which I had to go just a week ago, I, I go to him, and I, when, I, when he sees me, he's just like, what's wrong now? And it's, I don't know him. I've known him for 25 years, but I don't know him. I, I don't know if he's a good person. Uh, he's nice. I don't know what he believes in. I, 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 we've taught a few talks. He knows I'm a pastor. We, we've had those kind of casual conversations, but I don't know if he's a good person, a bad person. I don't know what he likes. I don't know what his hobbies are. I know nothing really about him. I don't know a whole lot about his personal life. 
outside of that chair in that very bright light that shines on my face. I don't know him. I only go to him when I'm in a crisis. I only go to him when I'm hurting. I only go to my dentist when I need something from him. But that is exactly how many, many people treat God. They only go to him when they need him. They only go to him when they're hurting. They only go back to the Lord and to their faith when they're going through a trial that they can't get out of on their own. I'm telling you, there's so much more to Jesus. There's so much more to him than you know. Let me challenge you this morning to know that you know that you know. It was a beautiful sister that, that came up, uh, Sister Landreth at the old Harlan Park Church. She, was, she got up one day in the middle of the service and she turned around. There was hundreds of people and she had the big beehive. Her hair was climbing up to the lights and she looked around and didn't have a drop of makeup on as she was wearing her dress. Holiness woman. She turned around to that audience, grabbed hold of the pew and she said, I know that I know that I know that I know. And when she said only those words and as she did, the Holy Ghost fell in that house and people were shouting under the power of God all the rest of that service. She turned that service upside down. Why? Because there was effectual fervency in her. There was something in her. We didn't know what she was knowing, but we knew by watching her what it was. It was something deep down inside that I wanted, that everybody felt the spirit and the witness of when she stood up and made that declaration. Let me tell you, God is looking for us to stand up to this world of atheists, stand up to this world full of humanists, to stand up to this world full of liberals and people who are trying to throw away every ounce of goodness in this America. I'm telling you, it's time for the church to one more time stand up on a rock and declare he is God. He's in control. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is our God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Let me tell you what I know. I know he walked away from the cemetery with me when my mother passed away. I know he was there as comforter for me when I needed him. He was there the night at the scene of a tragic accident in Franklin where I pulled up to a young man laying in the grass that would soon die. And the Lord was there directing me to talk to that young man and to pray a prayer with him that was an answer to his mama's cry over his life. I'm telling you, he was there that night and was directing my every step. He was there when I went through surgery. He was there when the night I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. He was there the night I spent hours in my room wrestling over a calling on my life. He was there. He has never forsaken me. He has always been there. And I know that I know that I know that I know that I know he is God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <coughs> I know that he's good. Stand up with me or I'll never stop. <coughs> Thank you. I got one point, so you'll get three next time. I know him. I know he's good. I know he's faithful. I know he's true to his word. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will never pass away I can go to him in confidence and when I know him I can pray and see prayers answered when I know that he's a God who heals when I know he's a God of power when I know that anything is possible with him when I have faith I can see miracles I can see signs I can see wonders. You need him today like you have never needed him before. You need the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. You need to know him. Move past religion. Move past the duty of Christianity. Meet the Savior. Know the Lord. Oh, I am constrained in my spirit today. I'm speaking to someone's heart. Know him for yourself. You have tested him. You have pushed him away. 
You've put all of us in the basket of crazy loons. But you weren't there the night he saved me. July 2nd, 1981. At the Hera Arena. You weren't there. You don't know how he turned me upside down. You don't know how I went to bed that night with tears dripping down my face looking up at the ceiling because I'd never felt so clean in my life. My heart was changed. My mind was changed. I couldn't wait to get in the Word. I couldn't wait to find out more about Him. I I sought revivals. I I would drive to Princeton Pike and Harlem Park. I'd drive to Dayton. I'd I'd go to Philadelphia. I went anywhere they were having a service or revival. I couldn't get enough. I was so hungry for God. I was hungry and thirsty. After all I could know, I'd find revivals. I'd go to little independent Pentecostal churches and I'd slip in the back door and the power of God was falling in that house. And I remember thinking, oh, I just can't get enough. Do you know him? I'll never forget the time I'd committed to getting up at a certain hour early in the morning, way early. And I'd been doing it for several weeks, and it was my time I would roll out of this, you say ungodly hour, but it was a godly hour. But I'd roll out of the bed right onto my knees. God, I'm going to seek you. I want to be filled with you. I don't want to do this on my own. I can't pastor that church. I'm not qualified. Because in case you don't know it, I'm not qualified. I'm not smart enough. I don't have all the brain. I don't have I don't have it. I can't do it. But I knew where to go. I'd get on my knees those early hours. I would say, God, I I need you this morning. I'm preaching in a couple hours, and Lord, there'll be hundreds and hundreds of people. I must have you. I'm I can't do it without you. So I did it for several weeks. And I'll never forget the morning, Brother James, knowing how you love God and who you'd love this. The alarm clock went off. I turned it off and I rolled out. And when I rolled out, the Lord spoke to me. And he said, I've been sitting here waiting on you. I began to weep. He said, I've been waiting on you. He was anticipating. He was excited about me and him spending that time together from that day to this I do it every Sunday morning and when I get up I sense that he's already there waiting he's waiting on you he wants to help you he wants you to have effectual fervency in your prayers to avail much he wants us to see signs and wonders God's not standing back he's not standing back testing us and not willing to show us. Jeff, he wants to answer prayer. He wants to show himself powerful. He wants a people that will trust him and believe in him. He wants to show an awakening in this community. He wants to turn Miami Valley upside down. He's looking for someone who will be a conduit for revival. He's not standing back, testing and pushing and prodding and putting us all out there and thinking, ah, they're no good. No, he's wooing and drawing. It's like a little child. Our, our, my little nephew, when he was first turning to able to walk, I remember we all were around him, a like big old crowd of us, and we're like, we're like, come on, come on, Mr. Brooks, come on, come on, come on, buddy, come on. And he's looking, and he's all excited, and he's like trying to do it, you know, and he's falling flat on his face, and we're like, get back up, come on, you can do it, you can do it. Let me tell you, that is God. You've got the wrong picture of him if you think he's sitting back, ready to crack your head at the slightest ill thought or word that you think you've said. He's not looking at your inability or your unqualified nature. He knows who you are too. He knows you're human, but he knows this. He answers prayer not based on your performance. He answers prayer based on Calvary and the cross of Jesus. That's how he answers prayer. He answers prayer because of Jesus. So he's looking for anyone who will say, I take up my cross. I deny myself. And Lord, I follow you. I'll follow you wherever you lead me, wherever you take me. When I know him, I don't worry about the job I didn't get. 
I don't sit back and go, oh, I'm just so confused. We got to learn what's the difference between a good idea and a God idea. My, my idea didn't come through. I had it all planned out. Had it all figured out. God, this was perfect. Didn't you know that? God just looks down and goes, oh, my child. You don't know what you don't know. Trust me. Trust me. Lean upon me. What does the scripture say? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding, your own idea, your own plan. Don't lean on that. But in all your ways, acknowledge him. and He will direct your path. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Two prayers. The first one. You need Jesus. You need what we talked about. Elijah had a right relationship with God. You need a right relationship. You need things to be squared away with you and him. You need to make him Lord of your life. He changes you. He transforms your heart, gives you, takes out that old, cold, stony heart and gives you a fleshly, beautiful heart. The old man, the old man is gone. The new man rises up. He's got such a plan for you. Will you trust him today? Will you accept him into your life to change it, transform it, renew it? If you're here today and you'd say, yeah, that sounds good, preacher. I want to pray that prayer. God bless you. I see you. Awesome. Is there anyone else? Just lift your hand up. God bless you. I see you. I want to pray that prayer with you, Pastor. I want to pray. I just want things right. I'm going to make an altar right here at my seat, right where I'm standing. I just want to get things right with the Lord. Are you here? Is there anyone else? Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome. That's great. What an awesome thing. Great thing. Is there anyone else? Several hands going up. Is there anyone else? We're waiting a few seconds. I want to get things right with Jesus. If he came today, I'm not sure where I'd be. I want to draw a line in the sand. I want him to know whose side I'm on. I want things right with God. I want my prayers to be answered. I need a right relationship with him. Is there anyone else? Hand up. All right. These hands have went up. Now listen. We don't believe in formula prayers. I don't, there ain't no way you can say a bunch of magic words and suddenly you're good to go. It's a hard issue, man. He says, you got to deny yourself, take up a cross, and you got to follow him. He doesn't come follow you. You got to follow him. You got to mean business. You got to mean it from your heart. Lord, I'm giving you my life, I'm giving you my heart, I'm giving you my mind. Be the Lord of it all. And as you pray this prayer, we pray it. We'll help you. It's just like an escort prayer, man. We just can, all of us want to pray with you straight into the throne room of grace. It makes your reservation sure. Then you, an ordinary man or woman, can then pray the prayer Elijah prayed. So be careful with the fire thing. You can pray and see results. You can pray and see the power of God. So let's pray together. Church, help me. Let's pray together. Jesus, come into my life. Change it. Renew it. Transform it. Forgive me of my sins. You are the Son of God. You died on the cross for me. You rose from the dead. You purchased my salvation. Now be the Lord of my life. I give it all to you. Strengthen me. Be with me till you come for me. In Jesus, your name. Your word says, if I believe it in my heart, I confess it with my mouth that you are Lord. I'm saved. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now, would you just... Very gently, put a hand up on someone's shoulder right beside you. 
make a contact. Just drop it there on their shoulder if you can, if you're comfortable to do that. If someone's not comfortable, don't, don't feel bad at them. They probably just, that's all right. They don't have to do that. But I want us to pray for one another today. Pray for our, our, our prayer life. Pray for our knowledge of him. Pray for the power of God to be at work in us. Lord, we pray for one another right now. We pray that, Lord, you will bring peace to every heart and mind. I pray that you will speak into confusion and deception. Remove the scales from the eyes of those who are not seeing. Who, although they hear today, they're not understanding. Touch them by your Holy Spirit. And release into their lives truth that will set them free. I pray, God, for every man, woman, boy, and girl who loves you. May they have a deeper, more more desire than they've ever had. May they truly desire to launch into the deep places with your spirit. May they understand your word, seek relationship with you, spending time with you, Lord, cultivating that relationship as they perhaps never have before. May they come to know you. May they come to understand you. May they know you so well that they know exactly what you do in every case. They know your word. They know when it's your will. They understand and can hear and listen. My sheep, you said, know my voice. And another they will not follow. Help us to draw so close that we know. And as a church, God, let this be a lighthouse. Let this be a place of rescue and salvation. Let this be a place of safety and and a place of, of security. Let it be a safe place, Lord, where folks can feel that they have friendship and they're welcome, they're accepted. Let this be a place, Lord, that's anointed to see signs and wonders and miracles. Let it be a place of healing. Let it be a place of forgiveness. We thank you for this as we commit ourselves fresh and brand new. We honor you and we bless your holy name because, Lord, we are nothing without you but with you. We are children, heirs with Christ Jesus, and we're children of God. We honor you. We thank you today in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone together said amen. Why don't you put your hands together? Give the Lord praise. Amen. Let me remind you about the service this evening, our family communion. Bring your family. Let us have an intimate time with just you and your family and a pastor to do communion and to anoint with oil and pray over your family for the new year. God bless you from 4 to 6 p.m. tonight. We hope we'll see you.